to be and here in your love here in your love no place i'd rather be no place i'd rather be no place i'd rather be than here in your love here in your love oh let's love him together shall we father god thank you thank you lord for everything Thank you this day for life, strength, good health, and the blessings of God upon our lives. Oh, Lord, I need you so much. We need your great grace, your holy hand, and your mighty power. God, we give you praise and glory and honor in the beautiful name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. All right, if you have a Bible, I'd like to turn to... 2 Timothy, if you have trouble finding that, you might go to Revelation and work backward a little bit, and you'll come upon it. Second Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy, chapter 1, and verse 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. I'd like to try to work with this idea this morning. Real faith from real people. You may be seated, the Lord bless you. Or if you like, real people with real faith. <laughs> that works good, huh? All right. Very happy to have each and every one here this morning and to be in God's house. I'd like to mention first and foremost that for something to be unfeigned means that it's it's a pure thing. It's it's not lying, it's not hypocrisy, it's not acting or put on, posing, pretending, fake or phony in any way, shape, or form. That's what feigned is, plastic. But when something is unfeigned, then it's the opposite. Okay, it's the opposite. I would like to turn your attention to the book of Galatians, so back just a little bit more in the scripture, flipping back to Galatians chapter 2, I'm going to read just verse 13 and then I'll try to break this down for you, <clears throat> and the other Jews dissembled likewise with him insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. So we have the word dissembled, and then we have the word dissimulation. All right? So what you've got here, as I have told you many times, when you get to the book of Acts, then that's where the church was built and started and begun, the body, the body of Christ, that means. Don't get the general, no, don't let me say that. Don't get the natural idea, because we don't want to think natural. We want to think spiritual. And when you think natural, you'll think of a, of a building of some kind uh, with stained glass windows or something, you know. That's a church house, okay? When you talk about the church, you're talking about the body of Christ. I heard a man on the radio actually called last night, and, and nobody answered but um, he quoted some scripture, and he said what this world needs, uh, and particularly I think he might have been talking about America, but I think he was trying to broaden it. He said what, what they need is religion. And uh, he read from Jeremiah and how that Israel had, and he was a Jewish man, how that Israel had sinned and made mistakes, and that consequently... 
they faced the judgment of God. And he, of course, talked about how that when they repented and came back to God, that, you know, then God worked everything out. And he was saying that, that in our world today, that we need religion. And um, I, I called because I was going to tell him that I agreed uh, with what he was saying up to a point, but that his choice of, word, of the word religion was extremely misleading, extremely misleading. And when you read the Old Testament, you, if you want to say religion, then what are you going to do with all the other heathen groups <laughs> that were part of the problem? Okay, so what it boiled down to was is that, is that we need God's salvation. That's what we need. And in the New Testament, we need the body of Christ. We need the church that Jesus started. Okay, the only one he ever built. And he, he launched it for everybody everywhere. It was not designed to be for just one small group. It began with one small group, but it was not designed to be contained to that. It was to reach into all the world. And it did. And it is right now, right today. And so... Uh, I wish I could have got a hold of the gentleman and maybe got that out. One of our preachers not too long ago was able to um, actually deliver Acts 2.38 to the United Nations. And I thought that was a marvelous miracle that God had given. And uh, to be able to quote Acts 2.38 to well over 100 nations, and it's being given to them in their language, the translators that are there, and then they hear that in their earpiece. And so how beautiful for them to hear what they needed to do and what their nations need to do, what everybody needs to do. And that's what you get in the book of Acts, of course, when Jesus gave birth to the church and 17-plus nations were gathered together, which was at that time representational of the whole known world, and how that uh, Peter told them when they said, what should we do, what's the next step, where do we go from here, and so he began to teach them how to believe on Jesus the Christ. And you do that by repenting, by being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the born-again experience. That is the salvation of God. And what an oh-so-great salvation it is. And everybody said amen. Well, then you go on from there, and new works are being established, new congregations are being established, uh, raised up and trained up in these different places like Rome. So we have the book of Romans as the apostle was uh, sent them uh, a message and helping them to understand some things and grow deeper and, and, and more solid in God. And then uh, you have first and second Corinthians in a place called Corinth where also they raised up works and uh, people were being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they also now were receiving uh, advanced training so that they could be rooted, grounded, and settled in the great work of God. And then you come to Galatians and Ephesians, for an example, and uh, as you go on through the New Testament. Same thing, at Galatia, people were reached. And you have here uh, something that took place, and Paul make, makes reference to it in the second chapter, and that is that uh, Paul was there with Gentiles because Paul had been used of God to be an apostle to the Gentiles, as opposed to Peter being used specifically to be an apostle and God working through him powerfully and mightily to reach the Jewish. And uh, at that time, as you know, things began with the Jewish, and then it be as Paul was used and others to begin to reach out beyond the borders of the Jewish and begin to reach beyond, certainly beyond the borders of the law to uh, uh, move on into grace. And it was extremely important that everybody was going to understand that. Unfortunately, there were those that were slow to, to believe that, okay, and, and to work with that. And that happens a lot because people sometimes uh, view everything as a, as a negative when there's a change. And change just for the sake of change is a negative. But when change is necessary, when it's to be converted, then it's an important thing, and it's a good thing, because we're trying to become what God wants us to become. We're trying to leave the old things behind and to press toward the mark for the prize of what God has for his church and for his people. And everybody said amen. And so as we are 
in uh, this book of Galatians chapter 2, and Paul is teaching, he recounts how that they were having a get-together, and while they were there, it was predominantly uh, Gentiles uh, that were with Paul and Barnabas, and then uh, there was a few others uh, um, from among the Jewish that were there, and everything was fine. Everybody was having a good time. And then all of a sudden, Peter showed up, and with him came a, a group of Jewish believers. And um, when that happened, then different ones began to get up and move with them and go, shall we say, to their table or their side of the building. And, uh, and Paul even said, even Barnabas got carried away with their dissimulation and, and what he, when they dissembled and what he was saying was with their hypocrisy. They were being phonies. They were being fake. They were being plastic. And he, he upbraided, he, he withstood the apostle Peter to the face, Paul did. And he said because he was to be blamed. And Paul saw that it was wrong and he dealt with it as, a, as an apostle, as a minister. It was his place to do so. Sometimes people do things that it's not their place, and they're out of place, and, uh, and that is totally incorrect. But here, the Apostle Paul was doing the right thing, and he was explaining that there was not only a dissembling that was going on, but then there was a dissimulation. It got bigger. It was growing. The, the, the throwing of the rock in the water sent a lot of ripples out, a lot of waves, and they were going further and further out, affecting more and more people. There is some kind of a theory that is out there, and uh, they claim if a butterfly flaps its wings in China, eventually you'll feel the effects of it over here. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's where that nice breeze came from last night. I'm not sure. But uh, I'm just telling you there is such a theory. Well, I'm saying to you that uh, there's definitely uh, a truth that should be understood among us, and that is that our actions have consequences. What we do uh, is going to affect others. And so that's why we want to do good. We want to do things right. And I'll tell you, especially uh, with your children, uh, and that's so important because that's, that's our next generation. And that's what Paul made reference to here in 2 Timothy 1 and 5 when he, he, he recounted, he, re, he made reference of the unfeigned faith that was in one generation, the grandmother. And then how he said that same unfeigned faith, that, that real faith was in your mother. And then he said, and I'm persuaded it's in you, son. So we had three generations of unfeigned faith. That means that, that the grandmother stood up and would not be a hypocrite. She would not lie, but she would do things in truth. No matter what it cost her, she was going to do it right. And consequently, that strength of that faith was passed down <clears throat> to her daughter. And then the daughter having a son by the name of Timothy that we read so much about in the Bible. And uh, in, a, in a manner of speaking, he poured water over uh, the Apostle Paul's hands. He received his training at the feet of the Apostle Paul. And so I am saying to you, and it is reported historically that he was a bishop uh, in the early centuries and uh, was helping to carry things forward, which was so very, very important, because there was, there was great dissimulation, wasn't there? And, and that's, that's what you want to realize, that uh, that spirit of dissembling, that spirit of dissimulation, uh, that, un, that feigned faith, that phony, hip, hip, hypocritical faith that people use and manifest and brother, does that ever have an effect? And uh, that's, we don't want religion. We, we don't want man-made ideas. We don't want human spirit here. We don't want that. We want God's spirit. We want God's truth. We want God's word. Let's take a look at the book of Psalms this morning, shall we? Psalm 26. Starts out, judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity, verse 1 says. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. That means I shall not backslide. I will not go backwards. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins, that's my emotions, and my heart. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked 
in thy truth. You know, the, the Apostle John said that he had no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Isn't that marvelous? And everybody said amen. He said, verse 4, I have not sat with vain persons, with people that sit around and are accomplishing nothing for God. Vain, worthless, of no value. He said, I'm not sitting around with those folks. I'm not hanging around with those folks. Everybody said amen. I'm not, I'm not going to spend my time and my days with people that are just running off at the mouth. Okay, I'm not going to do that, he's saying. I'm not going to sit with them. I'm not going to fellowship with them. I'm not going to hang out with them. Not going to do that. Not going to do that. So, Psalms 26 and 4, I have not sat with vain persons. Neither will I go in with dissemblers. I'm not going in with people that lie. I'm not going to go in with people that have failure of the flesh, if you please. I'm not going to get around those that are hypocrites and acting in hypocrisy. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be a, a part of that group. Not at all. Everybody said amen. We're not going to have anything to do with that. And I'm glad that the psalmist was very strong about that. In Proverbs, he that hateth, dissembleth with his lips. Now, I realize that the main focus here is hate, but you notice the dissembleth with his lips. That means he lies. <laughs> That's what it means. He lies with his lips. That's exactly what it means. And he said, and layeth up deceit within him. When he speaketh fair, believe him not. For there are seven abominations. Count them. Seven abominations in his heart, whose hatred is covered by deceit. His wickedness shall be shown before the whole congregation. My, my, my. This dissembling stuff, this hypocrisy, this feigned faith, this plastic, phony, Mechanics know how to put it on, you know. That's not what Paul recognized and, you know, put the good seal on it. That's not what he was bragging on. He was bragging on unfeigned faith. People that, real people with real faith or real, fe real faith that real people have, okay? It's very important. Let me give you an example from the Old Testament. And this is found in the book of Joshua. Okay? Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. And the Lord said in verse 10 unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? In other words, why, why, are, you, why are you praying? Why are you weeping? Why are you crying? God's saying, get up. I'll tell you what the problem is. <laughs> you want me to, to do something and give an answer? He said, first we better get to the problem. Wow. All right. Israel has sinned. They have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled also. Dissembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. Now, you know what this was a reference to? This was a reference to when it was time to take the city known as Jericho. Almost said the city known as Joshua. <laughs> Jericho. Get my J's mixed up. Okay. So we've got instructions are given. You're to surround the city. And orders are given. Everything has to be precise. Everybody's got to be walking the same way. Everybody's got to be following the orders that were given. And so they did. And then it came time. After six days came the seventh day and the instructions on the seventh day. And, and, and you know, if they hadn't been in rank and in harmony and in unison, unison behind the leadership, 
after six days of going around a city, you know, the seventh day, there would have been a whole lot of grumbling if they hadn't been the right kind of people and had the right kind of heart because they had to go seven times around the city on the seventh day. Now, I could just hear some people, oh, man, oh, seven times. We're already gone six days, one time each day. Now we got to go seven times. <coughs> oh, brother, can you imagine the grumbling and the mumbling? But we didn't read any of that. They did what they were told. And it brought the results that they wanted. The Bible said that the walls of that city fell down flat. Yeah, God just flattened it. You know, God can, he can flatten some things, let me tell you. And so <clears throat> they were given further instructions of four. And that was when this takes place, when we go in the city, you are not to take anything, you're not to plunder, you're not to take anything, okay? Don't take one thing. Don't do that. All right, so everybody got in and everybody got out. You know why? There's a reason for that, many reasons, of course, but one outstanding reason is because Jericho represents repentance. So when you repent, you're supposed to leave all that behind. You're turning away from that. Him that stole, steal no more. That's what your Bible says. And that we're not, we're, we're not going to be lying anymore. We're going to speak truth, every man with his neighbor. Okay? So repentance. It's a cutting off of what's wrong. It's a, it's a stopping. It's a change of direction. I've been, a lot of, lot of men have said through the years that they lived hard for the devil. And now that they're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, they said, now I'm going to live hard for God. I'm going to give it my all for God. Okay. So when we, when we repent, we want to we wanna make a, a very good repentance. I think I've told you before, <clears throat> when I, brand new, came to the Lord and uh, was witness to, and I begin to, to come into church, is what I mean by that, come to church and begin to read the Bible, and, and uh, I remember I went to my pastor and I said, Brother Dunn said, I, I, uh, I want to be baptized. And he said, well, first you've got to repent. <laughs> and I, now the old me would have argued, but... There was a new me working, emerging here. And uh, so I didn't argue with him because I, I felt like I'd already repented because I already had been told by the Bible and by those that witnessed to me that I needed to, to do that. But I, I didn't. I just said, yes, sir. And I got my little buggy and I headed down the road after church and I climbed a fence and went out in the middle of the football field and I repented again. And in repenting again, the Lord started talking to me. Imagine that. You know, God does listen. Hello. It was, you know, all of a sudden God said, well, remember this? And I went, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm not sure. And uh, well, well, what about this? Yeah, okay, okay. And what about this? What about this? What about this? And I'm going, okay, okay, okay. I got it. I got it. I hear you. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry for all of it, Lord. Every last living bit of it. <laughs> so, you know, God doesn't want to leave a stone unturned. He wants to dig you up. You want to make a good repentance. You know, seeing people come and their knees barely hit the floor and they're up, I got it, I'm good. And we don't see them again after they go out the door. We see them. You want to get, you want to get an unfeigned faith. You want to get the real thing. It'll make you a real man or woman of God. And everybody said amen. Let's give God a big hand. Amen. Well, next thing you know, Jericho's a, all over with, they think. Then it's time to go to the next place. AI. Capital A, small I. AI. We're going to go there. We're, we're going to whoop the sucks off of them. They were feeling all full of themselves, man. Victory after victory. They were feeling great. You know, you can get overconfident. 
you can get lifted up. The Bible said, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, you fall into the condemnation of the devil. The devil has many, many, many tricks. Somebody said, if the right one don't get you, the left one will. He's got a lot of tricks. And I'm not bragging on him. I'm just telling you a fact. And so you don't want to get overconfident. You don't want to think you're all that or let the flesh, a failure and a breakdown there with that, and you can count on the flesh to do that, and you, and you get all carried away with the wrong thing just like they did in Galatia. They got carried away with their dissimulation, with their hypocrisy and their fake and their phony and their plastic. And here in, back in though Jericho, they're getting ready to head out on the next place and they're going to go do the job. Only thing is, instead of them whipping the enemy, they got the socks whooped off of them. And Israel came back with their head down and their, their countenance down and things didn't work out so good. You know? I've seen people get all puffy and all full of bragging what all they're going to do. My pastor said like this, he said when he started out, he, he said a lot of guys went running way past him. He said he was just going along. And they were, he said, but you know what, after a while, he said, I met those same ones coming back. And they were defeated had a defeatist look and attitude about them. That's not a good thing. We've got to strive lawfully. There's a right way to do things. We've got to be able to take correction. We've got to be able to be put in submission. We've got to get this old flesh under subjection. And... Uh, When they got the socks whipped off of them, that's why Joshua was on his face. And he's like, what's wrong, God? Why is this happening? <laughs> and that's when the Lord said, get up. What are, you, what are you doing on your face? Get up. I'll tell you what's wrong. And he began to tell them. And what happened was is that there was an individual who disobeyed. He was disobedient. And again, that has an effect on others. It disrupts the good flow of the Spirit. And so God said, you bring them out. They're to pass by. And I'm going to pinpoint. And so, came on a fellow that became known as the Troubler. The Troubler name was Achan. Well, he had everybody aching because when he was put on the spot, he finally coughed it up and he said, yeah, I took a, a garment, a Babylonian garment, and I, I took a wedge of gold, you know, and I, I dug a hole in my tent, my house, my tent. And I, I buried it. You'll find it there under the stuff. He was referred to as a troublemaker, as a troubler in Israel. And that he caused them to sin and break the covenant with God. And what a terrible thing that took place. You know, when, when you do it wrong, when you're acting wrong and thinking wrong and communicating wrong in shape or form, you're not just hurting yourself, but you're hurting others. And God said they had to deal with it, and they did. They dealt with it. And, and believe me, things will get dealt with. And I realize the Bible said because sentence isn't executed speedily. 
because it doesn't happen just like that, well, you better be real mighty glad that you live in this period of grace, okay? Because we do live in a time where God is, for this period of time, this dispensation is a lot more tolerant, shall we say, and beautiful. His mercies that are new every morning, and His divine favor that's over us, and that God seems to keep trying with us, keep working with us. I told uh, some two people here not too long ago, I said, one of you is bound to be the death of me, I think. I'm trying awfully hard to save you, and you seem to be de defying me at every turn, you know. And uh, but because sentence is not executed speedily, the sons of men are fully set in their heart to do evil. They figure I'm getting away. With it. I'm getting away. With it. See, ain't nothing happening. No bolt of lightning. No, no problem. So they keep on and they keep on and they keep on, and they keep on until. They're dealt with. The, uh, that's actually how Saul became the Apostle Paul, isn't it? <laughs> He's riding down the road. And I don't know what he was in his customized something or other. And uh, all of a sudden, it wasn't a bolt of lightning, but it was a, it was a blinding light. Brighter than the noonday sun. Knocked him to the ground. Oh, God can bring us down. Let me tell you, he can do it. And uh, Some people are begging for it. I'm begging not to get it. Remember me, Lord, I'm poor and needy. <laughs> you know? Oh, God. Good to have, uh, what did it say? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Get a little reverence about you. Get a little respect about you. You know, that's that's very noticeable. I met uh, a person that was working here in town, and, and I came and told my wife, I said, I met somebody today. I introduced myself because I wanted to invite and did the person to church. And I said, um, what caught my attention was the person was respectful, so mannerly. You don't always run into that. And um, you run into the other stuff more often. And uh, so I'm saying that we can catch God's attention if we'll be respectful. You know, if we will show some fear of God, some respect of God, some reverence towards God, we can get his attention. And that's the kind of attention you want. Favorable attention. God's going to be there. You know, God's going to be there. God's going to, he's going to be your best chiropractor. He's got your back. Okay, he's got your back. I read about a man that, um, in the newspaper, that he, uh, he was killed, he was murdered. And he was with another man, and they were, uh, snipers for the United States Armed Forces and uh, they were supposedly helping a man that was suffering and when they were they were going to a gun range spent a little time with the guy a little practice whatever and I don't really think that's anything any of us need to be any part of to be quite frank about it and uh, but that's what they did, and that's who they were, and they didn't have this Holy Ghost experience. It does make a difference when you have this salvation as to where you'll go and what you'll participate in. Okay? But that's where these guys were going, and uh, the friends were riding in the front seat, and the other guy was in the back seat, and they, the one told the other, he said, Make sure you have my six, which meant make sure you've got my back. That was their code lingo. And uh, I'm for code lingo. 
if you're positive and upright, forthright, pure and clean in what you're coding about. But anyway, he uh, evidently he didn't have his friends back because the man shot him and shot the other guy then too. Killed them both. I want God to have my back. You know, if God's got your back, you're going to be okay. As the Jamaicans say, everything's going to be airy. It's going to be all right. It's all going to be good. Reverence God, my Father which art in heaven. Oh, hallowed be thy name. How great is our God. He deserves our praise. He deserves our love. And we can never give him enough of anything. But we're certainly called to be those that worship him in spirit and in truth. We're not called to be dissemblers. We're not called to be hypocrites, phonies, and fakes. We're in a world that they don't need religion. They need real faith shown to them by real people. People that don't just talk the talk, but they walk the walk. That's a good combination. That's a good combination. That's a good combination. I don't want to hang out with, with dissemblers. I don't want to be with hypocrites. I don't, you know, and I realize, you know, there are people that, oh, they have all kinds of things to say in all kinds of ways. But let me make something clear to you. You can you can wind up fellowshipping the devil when you're told told flatly not to. You can you can wind up hanging out and fellowshipping and interspersing, intermingling with people that are not in the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit. It did say in your Bible, by the way, to let love be without dissimulation. That's how our love is to be. It's to be without hypocrisy. It's to be without fake and phony. We're to speak every man truth with his neighbor, and we're to speak the truth in love. That doesn't mean all compromisey, wishy-washy, okay? That means in the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Ghost. Okay? Some of you wouldn't have got along very well with the Apostle Paul when he, when he put his eyes on a man that was trying to hinder the work of God. And he told him, now you're not going to see the sun for a season. And God let blindness fall on the guy. Well, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a natural loss of, of eyesight, but sometimes there's a spiritual loss of spiritual sight. You can lose the light of the truth, church family, and you don't want to do that. There was a man, and we loved him very much, and, uh, but I remember he, my pastor told him to stand up and, and uh, quote John 3 and 5. He'd been in the church for many years, this guy. He stood up. If there's one thing I know, it's John 3 and 5. And then he couldn't quote one word of it. Not one word would come out right. He couldn't, he couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Be careful. Be careful. Walk circumspectly. You know? And and nowadays that might mean a couple of extra things because I've heard of people walking around looking at their phones so much that they fall in open sewers. <laughs> they documented it, you know. Uh, have you ever have, I, I see people all the time, you know, and it's so funny to me. It's like they don't have anything else to do, so they the phone. Get the phone. Phone. You know? What did you do without the phone before? You know? My life is not built around a phone. My life is not going to be built around social media. 
want my life to be built around the book. I want my life to be built around the work of God. I want something real. You hear me? I want something real. I'm not looking for some kind of excuse to hide behind in the name of a phone, you know. I was at a, I have to confess, <laughs> years ago, when you got a speeding ticket, before all the advancements that they've made, over at the airport, there used to be a lot of old army barracks. I guess they were army, some kind of army, navy, somebody, marines. But they had barracks, and they turned them into different businesses uh, as it was no longer uh, used as a military airport anymore and uh, became a commercial airport, Palm Beach International. And so as time has gone on, you know, uh, these different buildings were turned into places of business, and one of them was for, you would go there for school if you got a speeding ticket. Well, guess who went? Good old me. <laughs> I wound up over there. And it was a class, you know, of about 30 people, and we're sitting there, you know, and, and the guy that was the teacher actually was ex-army, and, uh, but he was just dressed casual, and he was teaching the class, and he's a pretty good teacher, he's a nice guy. And, and, um, but there was a guy sitting in the chair in the audience there, and uh, the whole time he had a, a, a book, a paperback. And this guy is teaching, and this kid is kind of like having the phone, you know. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay. And, you know, I didn't pay anything in mind because I was paying attention. I was making notes and whatever, you know. I, I don't know if it was a, wasn't the first ticket I ever got, but I think it was the first time I ever had gone to school for it. And um, But all of a sudden, that teacher, he just leveled his guns right on this guy. And he said, all right. He said, you don't have to pay attention to what I'm doing, and I can't fail you in this kind of class. He said, but I don't have to sign your certificate of completion either. Guess who was the first one to get to the teacher when the class was over? Now, little Mr. Paperback. Little Mr. I'm looking at my phone, man. Yeah. You know. <laughs> he was up there begging for his certificate and excusing why he was reading a paperback when he's supposed to be listening to the class and at least being respectful to the man that's teaching the class. You know? My father, which art in him, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I want to respect God. I want to love God. I want my love to be without hypocrisy. I don't want it to be fake. I don't want it to be phony. I don't want it to be some kind of put on. Not at all. I don't want it to be that way. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. As you look into the word of God, you will find examples of what I'm talking about. I'm going to turn your attention to Jeremiah 42 and 20. Jeremiah 42 and 20. Kind of towards the end, there's 52 chapters in Jeremiah. We want 42. Verse 20, I'll start with 19. The Lord hath said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. For ye dissembled in your hearts when ye sent me unto the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us unto the Lord our God, and according unto all that the Lord our God shall say, so declare unto us, and we We'll do it. We'll do it. Well, you know what? God and his preacher, his prophet, they know the heart. And God was telling the prophet, saying, hey, you know, you came here and you asked me, and I gave you the words and the instructions and told them what to do, and now they're not doing it. They're dissembling. They're dissembling. They're lying. They're faking. They're phony. And they're posing. You know, it actually also means to become a, a stage actor. 
You know, they'll take houses now, and they'll take all the furniture out of the house, and they'll stage the house. They'll bring in certain upscale furniture to make the house look better so it'll sell quicker. Because somebody will walk in and say, ooh, I like this, but okay, I'll buy this house, you know. And, uh, but the furniture is just staged. It doesn't belong to the people who own the house or anything else. You know, it belongs to the place that they rent, rent it from. They stage it. Some people become, become stagers. They become actors. They become posers. They don't tell the truth. They, they write narratives, fairy tales. And then somehow or another, they start believing their own lies. Okay? And of course, with the computer nowadays, you know, you can edit continually. Just a little delete, boop, knock out a word and put in another word. And you can constantly change it up as the landscape changes, as different things come in, you can change it. doesn't matter about truth, though, right? Because some people are dissemblers. But the church, the body of Christ, we are a beacon of truth. We bring the truth to people, the truth that's not going to change. Do you understand that? The church went. From Jerusalem and continued straight on even after people left because they couldn't have their way. And that's what happened in Galatians. And that's why Paul stood up. Because there were those that they wanted to continue under the law. And he said, if you do that, then Christ is of no effect to you. And that worries me about people that the Holy Ghost no longer has an effect on you. You want the Holy Ghost to affect you. When you get in the flesh, you know what happens? Somebody will shout, somebody will rejoice in the Holy Ghost, and you'll be like, ew, 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 something's wrong. That's what we say, something very Chinese, something wrong. Something wrong. You know, you <laughs> you watch people, um, and I don't want to say that um, that I used to feel that way. I want to try to maintain that feeling. But um, Sister uh, Adriana was here early this morning uh, with a few others, and she said, "You know," she said, "we had to work late." And um, there, was, there was no youth Friday night. And it was a long time until church again. Do you remember when you used to feel like that? When they just needed church? Want more church? Don't need less church. Need more church. Can't wait for church. Do you ever read your Bible in Revelation about your first love? Oh, yeah. When it's just bubbling up inside. There's something to protect here, church family. And that's why Paul stood up. And you know what? It's like the little boy that was sitting on the front of the pew and everybody stood up at a moment when everybody got excited and then everybody sat down, but the little boy kept standing. And he kept standing. And he kept standing. Until finally they were telling him to sit down. You're pulling him. And they made him finally, they made him sit down. And he said, oh, all right. He said, I may be sitting. He said, but my Holy Ghost is standing up. <laughs> well, you better get your Holy Ghost to stand up for what's right. No matter who it is. Let your Holy Ghost stand up. Amen. You stand up with it. <laughs> you stand up with it. Amen. Speak the truth in love, yes. Okay, you know, some people's attitude, uh, you know, that it's like everything should be overlooked and, and ever, everything should be allowed to get by, you know. Well, you would have been a big help when Judas betrayed Jesus then, wouldn't you? You'd have been a big help. <laughs> oh, that's my buddy Judas. Yeah, you like Judas because Judas had money. Judas had the bag. 
And of course, Judas was, was such a hypocrite. He was always talking about helping the poor. And they said he didn't care nothing about it. Somebody stood up. It's right in your Bible. Somebody stood up and said he didn't care anything about the poor. Said he was a thief. How about that? That's in your Bible. Yeah. Right there in the Bible. Yeah. Said he had the bag. He had the money. He was a thief. Jesus said, hey, I've chosen 12 of you, and one of you is a devil. Wow. Wow. Did you feel sorry for Mr. Iscariot? I had to go through the rest of his life being the father of Judas? Iscariot? I mean, that, that name Iscariot's not like Smith, you know. Not like there's a whole bunch of them. It's kind of a unique name. My wife told me the other day that here it's been a while back and sat in the closet for I don't know how long, and so she finally dug it out, blew the dust off of it, and said, today I get to have a new purse. That's her idea of a new purse. Pull something out of the mothballs and blow the dust off of it. And so she said, this is a Betsy Johnson. Okay, I fell on the ground. I'm laughing. A Betsy Johnson? I said, how about... I don't know, Louis Vuitton or something. Come on here, Betsy Johnson. <laughs> I knew not to go too far. I said, it really is a very nice looking bag, honey. But Betsy Johnson? <laughs> oh, brother. How about Kate Spade or something? Or one of those other, you know, they sound cool. And I just hear names. That's all I know. I had a, uh, we had a, a young lady that came, she looked so young, and she came to take our order, and the uh, first time she came, I didn't notice she was all dressed all in black, but then she went to the place next to us, the table next to us, and I got a side profile, and I said, you know, honey, I think she's going to have a baby. So when she came back, um, I said, by the way, what's your name? She said, Lauren. I said, well, when is Ralph due? So she laughed, and she said, I think she said July, something like that. And uh, so, well, you know, I thought I'd say something nice about the firstborn child. She said, oh, no, this is my third. <laughs> I said, girl, you look so young to have three. Yeah, her and her husband expecting the third one, so happy for them. But, uh, you know, okay, I guess there'll be a Ralph Lauren coming around. What can I say? Oh, brother, I had a guy in the, the other day, and, Oh, he was a cool dude, man. He was strutting his junk. And um, he had a very uh, attractive wife and the cutest little girl. And so when I went by their table, I said, man, you're the dude. I said, I said, you don't have just one beautiful woman. I said, you got two. And he just roared with laughter. He thought that was the greatest thing. How good, you know, life can be, church family, if, especially us, because we have the Holy Ghost, because we have the truth. You know, if you just take stock a little bit and start. Grandma used to always say, I've had so many blessings. She said, I, I, can't, I can't, can't number them. And, um, but I often like to say, well, try. Try. See, see if you can start thanking God. One, two, three, four, five. Start naming some things to thank God for. I'll tell you, you can thank him for good health. I do, I do, I do. I thank God for good health. I thank him for that. Amen. Oh, and I and I was thanking him for it for a long many years before I got sick here a while back. I want you to know that. And I kind of reminded God about that. Hey, remember I thanked you for all that good health? Well, I'd like it back, you know. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Of course, one of the last things to come back was my taste buds. They're doing good now. Yeah. <laughs> Having to let the belt out instead of take it up. Oh, brother, I'm going to tell you what. It's good to be in the church. It's good to know the healer. It's good to speak the truth in love without dissimulation. I don't want to lie about nothing. I don't want any hypocrisy. I don't want to fight against God. I want to fight for God. I don't want to be resistant to anything that's of the Holy Ghost. I want to be flowing with the Holy Ghost. I want faith, unfeigned 
faith that's real, real people with real faith. That's what the world needs all over this place. They need real people with real faith. Amen. You can remain standing. I don't know if you know it, but, well, you don't. But years ago, uh, going down to the, I guess it's the dump, the city dump, whatever, down that way. And uh, there was a trailer, and there was a couple that lived in that trailer. And I guess his job was to unlock and lock the gate and kind of guard the place if wrong people didn't go down there, unauthorized people, whatever. And one day I was knocking doors and inviting people, and I stopped by that trailer, and, and I, uh, the lady, there was a lady in there, and she, the man told me, he said, my wife is sick. And, you know, when you open the door, that was it. What, there was a little kitchen and that was it. Then there was the bed and that was it. And so I went in there and I prayed for her in the name of Jesus Christ. And then I went about my business, you know. I don't know how, how much time had passed. And uh, one day I saw that old man again. And he said, he said, hey, preacher, he said, you know what? I said, what? He said, you know, you came by our trailer and you prayed for my wife. I said, yeah. He said, she got better. I said, well, that's the way it's supposed to work. <laughs> that's how it's supposed to work. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Amen. I like this when it works. And it works, church family. It works for people who work with it. Work with this. Work with me. Work with God. Let's not be a troubler. Let's not upset the, the barrel, if you please. Let's work and see God work. Isn't that what your Bible said? God worked with them, confirming the word with signs and wonders and miracles. Let, that's why the church is still here today. Still here today. Everybody said hallelujah. Everybody said, praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. Well, I want to tell you that we had some participants. I want to be a participator. You know, I don't want to just talk. I want to do it. And I want to thank Sister Stephanie and Sister Salida and Sister Rosa, Sister Angie. And, of course, those two, I want to spank them while I thank them. But anyway, and then Sister Williams, okay, for uh, participating in the bake sale. And uh, it was designed to just be a kind of a quick, small bake sale. But it, it did very good. Everything sold. And the Lord blessed us with a nice little $300 fundraiser. Let's give God a big hand. Amen. And, of course, you know all these people have so much time. I don't know if Sister Stephanie at her office maybe was baking while she was on the computer, I don't know. I don't know where she finds time, but anyway. Maybe she manufactures time. Do you manufacture time? I could use some. Okay, anyway, thank God for people who throw their heart into the great work of God. Amen. Everybody said hallelujah. You know, some people have ready-made excuses, and other people are ready to do. Let's be among them that we're just going to put our hand to the plow, and we're going forward. Amen. Everybody said hallelujah. All right. I'm not I don't we don't want to be dissembling and carried away with dissimulations and going in wrong directions, following wrong attitudes and wrong spirits. Let's let's stay with the apostle and let's get the job done and let's keep the, the church going forward like it's supposed to, reaching brand new people in brand new but people that are gonna be excited about church, people are gonna be happy about this because it's so new and so real and it's just bubbling up inside of them. Didn't it say that in your Bible about this would be a, a well and a river inside of you springing up into everlasting life? Woo! Amen. David said, all my springs are in thee. I don't need to go anywhere else. I'm not going to any ball games. I'm not going to any other places. I've got this inside of me. What do I need to go anywhere for? I've got this. We even sing that. I've got it, right? I've got it. Got it. And I want you to have it. I want everybody to have it. I don't know of anybody I don't want them to have it. I want everybody to have it. Say, what about your worst enemy? Well, if I've got one, uh, I want them to have it because if they get it, then they won't be my enemy anymore. <laughs> Woo, that's right. That's right. Amen. My only motive, friend, is to reach the lost and to make heaven. And I want to take you all with me, all right? Give God another big hand. Come on. All right. Amen. Come on.
Yeah.